I didn't see today's episode coming, but then when it showed up, I knew I had to record it. So here's what happened. Brad Solomon posted something on LinkedIn. Brad's an executive coach and runs a company called the CTG Group. I've done some work with him in the past. And he also knows Michael Doyle. Due to our connection from Red Hat. So Brad posted something about slowing down. And Michael tagged me in the comments thinking there was some connection to commitment. Which I did not see. So I just let it be. And then it dawned on me. So here's the last part of Brad's post on LinkedIn. Quote, As I reflect back, my two key learnings are clear. One of the first steps to change was to stop believing my own BS. No more excuses or cognitive dissonance to justify my lack of action. And my other key learning was that the more I slowed down, the more I experienced and the more I learned. It totally blew me away. The chance to experience life slowly meant I caught every moment, was able to be present, and was able to be more nurturing to my soul. I can highly recommend slowing down to experience more. And then he has a little, uh, little, I don't know what you call it, a quote. It's like a quote, not a meme, but it's any, some kind of quote. It says, the slower I approach life, the more I experience, the more I see, the more I learn. I would add to that the more I get done. This whole idea of slowing down, I have never, what came to me as I've just kind of sat with this for a week or two, is I've never seen someone slow down too much. I've never experienced it myself. I think I've talked about this a few times, the idea of slowing down and then slowing down more and then slowing down some more. And people object to that. Like, well, you can't do that. If you slow down, then... I mean, at a certain point, I mean, can't you slow down too much? And and then I was going to say stop. And that's the distinction that, I, that, that came to me here. There's a huge difference between slowing down and stopping. In my own experience, slowing down has never had a downside, except when I completely stop. And that's the trap I think most people get stuck in. And the irony is, often when you slow down and slow down and slow down and slow down to a crawl, then there's often this sudden acceleration to do what really needs to happen next. And it happens quickly, but it doesn't happen amidst a flurry of kind of, of less, of more mindless activity. So if you're not totally bought into this idea of slowing down, consider what might be possible if you slow down, but you don't stop. There's a great chapter on this in Straight Line Leadership by Dushan Dukic called Stop Stopping. Of course, I got to read some to you. Actually, it's chapter six. Stop stopping versus stopping. Without persistent, focused action, everything you know is virtually useless. A series of interesting mental exercises, nothing more. Many people will begin a new project with inspired action. My own editorial comment here. Many people will start a new project saying they are committed. 
But then something happens and they soon get discouraged and then distracted and then finally become so sidetracked that what they began is never finished. You have probably started a lot of things that you've never completed. Maybe it was piano lessons or an exercise regime or even a new system to improve sales in your business. You tried it for a while and then for one reason or another, it just dropped out of your life. You started and then you stopped. Now it's time to stop stopping, beginning with the use of the distinctions in this book. You'll start to use the distinctions that you find most beneficial. You'll be creating new places to come from. You may even carry this book around with highlighted paragraphs and chapters to remind yourself of the new actions that you are creating. Don't stop. In the past, if you were like some people I coach, you've started a lot of various projects. And if you had just stayed with them, you would have success now beyond imagining. But you stopped. Stop stopping. When you practice the act of stopping your stopping, you will leave your zigzag life behind. This will keep you on the straight line. And it's the keeping part that's the most important. When you are on the right track, it no longer matters. When you hit some bumps in the road that will slow you down, you still get there if you stay on the right track. Just stop stopping. I might disagree with them a little bit there about being on the, quote, right track or the right path. Sometimes people come to me and they want to make sure they're on the right path. (laughs) What I keep discovering is that we're always on a path. And what if it's not the right or the wrong path? It's just that we need to make some adjustments and change a course heading. And I've also seen people just torture themselves with not doing anything because they have to make sure that it's the right track or the right path. Back to the book. Most people confuse activity with productivity. They value busyness over results. So they jump into a new system of doing something that they were so excited about and start applying enormous energy to it, but soon shut down and quit. The slightest setback has them stop. That won't happen when you stop stopping. You can even slow down to a crawl and become more focused when you know you will not stop. There's the slowing down. Because frantic speed is not as important as getting from A to B. Your frenzied beginnings have led to nothing. So stop doing life that way. Choose your path and stay on it. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, but why do I do that? What's wrong with me? Why do I stop? Don't I need to find that out? No. You don't need to figure any of that out. Why does it matter? It will only delay your progress to wallow in past theories, stories, and beliefs. You want to replace all that mental spinning with pure action. There's an extremely effective formula I frequently use with clients to provide access to achieving desired outcomes. It goes as follows. Step one, decide what you intend to accomplish. Step two, Define exactly what actions it will take from you to achieve the outcome. Step three, decide if you are willing to pay that price. If you're not willing to pay the price to get whatever you want, you're just going to be frustrated. Step four, monitor the results of your actions and make corrections when needed. Step five, continue to take the required actions and do not stop until your outcome is realized. Most people never really define what it's going to take to get the result they want. Therefore, they are unable to confront whether they are really willing to do what's required. Somebody sees a big expensive house and says, 
well, that's my new goal. I want one of those. And they don't really confront what they are really going to have to do that they are not doing now to get this big expensive house. They never decide if they are really willing to do what's necessary or not. And therefore, as always, no house. You've got to define the necessary required actions you'll be taking. And then you've got to do the necessary required actions without stopping. It's that simple. Okay, maybe it's not that simple. However, this whole idea that you have to define all the necessary required actions before you start, I think that can be useful considering what it is, especially, and this is where I think the whole idea of commitment comes into play. Yes, before you commit to something, I think it's a good idea to consider, wow, am I willing to do what is absolutely necessary to honor this commitment? Even if I have a pretty good idea of what some of the steps are, but I don't know all of them. Because I think sometimes not knowing the steps and thinking that you have to know all the steps, it's just a big distraction. Then you can't start until you know all the steps and then you just stay stuck. So sometimes I think it is just a commitment or following through in a commitment that's already been made. So what does this look like? So example from my personal life. I want a better relationship with my wife and my son. I'm committed to them. I'm committed to that. I don't know all the actions. Sometimes they do things that are completely mysterious to me. <laughs> I do mysterious things too. But sometimes they're, we're in situations where I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I can make it better. And that means I stay in action and I stop stopping even if I slow way, way, way down. That may mean that I keep doing things, even if they're falling flat. Now, hopefully I'm not repeating the same thing over and over again, but trying new things. Some days that means stillness. Consciously setting aside time to say, you know what? I don't know what to do now. You know what? I don't know what to do next. I'm not sure what this situation warrants. I'm not even sure what's going on here. I'm totally confused. Sometimes this is meant sitting in my office in stillness and just looking around my office and just sitting, just being. And there's a book on the shelf that I haven't touched in 10 years. And it possibly speaks to what's going on. Or I'm sitting in a chair thinking, eh, I'm tired of reading these 15, these you know, 10 or 15, 20 minutes that I'm spending reading a book. Maybe there's a video. Oh my gosh, there's so, many, there's so much good stuff on YouTube for this. Type in the words, uh, how to have a conversation with your teenage son. <laughs> there's all kinds of amazing stuff. So that to me is an example of, okay, maybe I'm not in constant action with them, but stopping to me equals zero time and attention. Time and attention, it just... That's also a, a really, I may have mentioned this before, I think it's an amazing way to check in on your commitments. If you say you're committed to something, how much time and attention are you giving that thing that you're committed to? 
Something that spilled out of a conversation with someone recently, I don't know if I've shared this here, but I want to just kind of throw it in, the idea of macro commitments and micro commitments. So my macro commitment is I'm committed to my wife and my son. The micro commitments are the little things that I commit to doing each day or each week that serve or foster or make sure that that larger commitment is happening. So when you think about your own life and the things you're committed to, where have you stopped? What's the time and attention that you're giving those things? Is it quality? Is it quantity? What does it need? And if you've stopped, what's the smallest way you can start? Like you talked about in this book, and I talk about and laugh about in coaching all the time. I think it's such a waste of time and energy. Not always, but in a lot of cases. It's just another procrastination technique for not getting started. So play with this. Try it. What's the smallest way you could start? Or maybe you've been going so fast that you've lost sight of what's important to you. What could it look like to put 15 minutes on your calendar or 30 or five or an hour and get out a piece of paper and just, or a document and just put at the top. I am committed to dot, dot, dot. And then just start writing. Even if you're not sure what to write. I gave someone the other day, someone that is not a journaler, a really fun exercise. I said, okay, your homework is a one sheet of paper, one side of the paper. Um, so in this context that we're talking about now, you write at the top of the page, I am committed to dot, dot, dot. And then you have to write until the page is full. You can fill it with gibberish. You can fill it with whatever you want. What am I committed to? I am committed to writing words on this page until the page is full. Is full. It could be whatever you want. Back to this thing, if you're going so fast that you've lost sight of what's important to you, what's it going to take to force you to slow down? Like what would have to happen to get your full attention or to cause you to really slow down and take stock of what would ha- what's going on? And if you're still skeptical of this idea of slowing down, would you be willing to experiment with it? Slow down. This is my favorite, one of my favorite things to coach people around. Oh, I can't slow down. I have, you know, I'm back-to-back meetings today and I have eight of them in a row and there's nothing I can do. There's no way to slow down. Don't believe you. Try an experiment. If you've got eight meetings, get rid of one of them. Go to half of it. Go to, oh, I had a fun conversation with someone the other day where they're like, yeah, well, you know, I go to all these meetings. My day is packed with meetings. I said, great. Do you need to be there for the whole meeting? They're like, well, no, it's kind of just this brainstorming forum thing that we do. And I was like, great. What if you went to the first 15 minutes of the meeting, you told everyone at the start of the meeting, hey, just want to let you know, I got to go in 15 minutes. I have one topic I wanted to cover with everyone. Is that cool if I leave after 15 minutes? So look for new ways of slowing down. Another question I love here that I came across recently. What haven't you tried yet? We're all familiar with what we have tried, but if you took it like 
five minutes to think, okay, so I've got eight meetings in a row. What haven't I tried yet in terms of reducing how fast I'm going and what's going on in a given day? So if you listen to all this and you're just like, whatever, John, this isn't going to work for me. I'm unique. I'm a unicorn. None of this applies to me and there's no way to fix it. I'd love to take a crack at it with you. So send me an email to podcast at johnpolster.com and we'll meet and talk about it. And if we can't make headway on your situation in one meeting, we'll have another one.